bless the Lord. Hebrews 11. I'm going to read again the first three verses. We won't do a very big recap because we want to move on this morning. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blood of your Son. We thank you for his doing, his dying in Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that this morning those of us who are in Christ are washed and cleansed and forgiven. And we're clothed with his righteousness. Lord, how could we ever stop praising you? How could we ever be ungrateful? And so, Lord, we pray this morning... And as we have gathered around your table and partaken of these emblems that remind us of all that he has done and accomplished, now we pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, encourage your people. Lord, if there's one that has come in this morning that doesn't know you, may they find themselves at the foot of the cross. And may they be saved, born again of the Spirit, washed in the blood, strengthen the weak, uplift those who are down, Help those who are still tender after bereavement and bring them comfort. And we pray, O oh God, that you would help me to glorify your Son in everything that's said this morning. Bless those who are here, those who are away today, cannot be with us. And Lord, those who watch us even early morning around the world or late at night, we pray that you, Lord, would be their portion. And Lord, that you would bless them wherever they are. We ask it all in Jesus' worthy and precious name. Amen. The framework of faith. Let me just throw this out again from last week. Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3 is the explanation of faith. It explains the faith. And then from verses 4 to 40, we have the operation of faith. We hope to look a little at it this morning. And then in chapter 12, we looked at it last week in verse 1. We have the observation of faith. Let's look at chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That is the observation of the faith simply because wherefore, seeing we also we are. Notice, the wherefore is looking back to chapter 11. So we're looking back to the operation of faith in those who are mentioned in chapter 11. So that's the observation. Since they're not looking, remember, they're not looking over the balcony or the battlements of heaven at you. They're not doing that. But rather, this is the faith in Christ or the faith in Jehovah Yahweh that they had left in Israel right through. And we've, we looked even at the, 
early church's faith, the Reformation faith. We looked briefly at it last week. We said all of those people are leaving a legacy for us to say the same Jesus who saved them, washed them, and kept them through everything is the same Jesus for you today. He says he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we, we can think of our own lives. We looked at it last week too. Look at our own lives, our own homes, our, our own communities and where we are. What legacy of witness and testimony are we leaving for those who are coming behind us? Generally, the church, universally if I can call it, the blood-wise church, what are we leaving for those coming behind us? What are we leaving for? What, for those like the children in the tunnel away down for their children's church? Are we seeing our children and, and our children are seeing their mummies and daddies at home when they should be in their place of worship? Are our children seeing daddy eating the head of mummy? Or vice versa, being angry and aggressive at home because that's the legacy that we instill in them and that's the legacy that they pick up on. And that can go for generations before someone has to break it. Like you and I, brothers and sisters. That God works in our life. That God working in us takes away the hot-headedness and the temper. For with the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and temperance. And so we, we say we cannot help ourselves, but maybe we cannot at times help ourselves. But if the Lord is in us, He helps us through our infirmities to live for Him, to walk with Him. To talk right. And talking right doesn't mean just not cursing and swearing, by the way. But talking right to glorify him in our speech. To bring him into every conversation. Not to be bringing him around the table after you've just stabbed everyone in the back. Or the, you've had the pastor for your Sunday roast. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? What legacy are children seeing in us and hearing in us? What is it that we're leaving behind for our children? For the next generation, should Jesus tarry? We pray he doesn't. But if he does, what are we leaving behind? Are we leaving them in a state of anger, state of bitterness? Will the son grow up to treat his wife wrong and vice versa, maybe the wife, the husband. Well, what are we leaving behind? Or are we leaving behind a life that loves Jesus? A person who is in love with Christ, in love with him and cannot help themselves because he has come into their life. And listen, there's an old chorus. Jesus came along and he touched me. And I will never be the same. And when Christ comes in, the life changes. Sometimes it takes longer for certain things to be eradicated from our lives. But what are we leaving as a testimony, as a witness of faith? Are we leaving also fear in our children's lives? Because they've seen mommy and daddy without faith in times of trouble, in times of need, 
because they've seen mum and dad up to high dough every five minutes, as we would say, because maybe something has happened. And they say, well, that's what we instill in our children. And that's whether they're little totes or even older. Faith, brothers and sisters, the framework of it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has a substance and faith proves with an evidence. What is the substance in your heart? What is the substance of your faith? Do you know it? Have you experienced it? Can you even feel it? Faith brings faithfulness. And the evidence is of it throughout the life. The expression that Christ is in the heart, that Christ is in the life, that the Word of God is alive in a man and alive in a woman is this, that we love Him and we serve Him. And we go on with him through trial. Do we fail? Yes. Do we falter and fall? Yes. Do we hurt like everybody else? But we realize that he has got it. That he is in control. Notice here the witness we look back at. Through the operation, now there's the observation of this operation of faith. And then lastly, the foundation of faith is in chapter 12, verse 2. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Notice, looking on to Jesus, that's the foundation. That's the very benchmark of everything we do and all that we have, is keeping our eyes on Christ. Peter said, full of faith, Lord, if it be thee, bid me come to thee in the water. And the storm is raging, and Jesus walking on the sea says, Come. And Peter, I'm sure, had to test the faith because he's testing the water, stepping over the boat to get onto that water. And faith caused Peter to be able to walk in that which others are sinking in. And the old saying is, If you want to walk on water, brother, If you want to walk on water, sister, you've got to get out of the boat. The boat of our comforts and the boat of our that'll do me and the boat that keeps us steady because we're in control and the water isn't splashing me too much and, and I'm okay with this. But when Christ says, come, Peter with his eye upon the master walked upon the water But the wind and the waves grew boisterous, come up around him, took his eyes of Christ, and on to the storm, onto the water, and onto the waves. And what happened? He began to sink. That's what happens in our lives. Full of faith when we're in church. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I I agree with that, brothers and sisters. But what happens when we're at home? What's the legacy that's left behind? You know, the church this last year, has been tried. And much of it has failed miserably. Take note, brothers and sisters, the foundation of our faith is Jesus. Looking on to Jesus. 
in your storm, in the hard times, looking on to Jesus. Would you say that, looking on to Jesus? In your storm, what will you do? Looking onto Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Christ enables you to walk on that which others are sinking in. Now take note here, brothers and sisters, please. We talked about the explanation of faith briefly last week. But I want to look just for a few moments at the operation of faith. The operation of faith. Hebrews 11, please. Hebrews 11. Now, here's something while you're looking that up. I want you to take note in this. Sometimes you see things happening. So, for example, how does someone, how do they have that faith in God? How does that happen? How do you have faith in God to turn up on a Sunday morning? And and how do you have the faith in God to preach His Word And how do you have the faith in God to to keep going on with God? Is it because you're so strong? No, it's not. It's because I'm weak and he's strong. And the disciples wanted to know, how do we have this great and mighty faith? And it's in Luke 17 and 5. Don't turn to it. But write it down and read it later when you go home. Lord, the apostles said, increase our faith. See, when you pray, increase our faith. It's a double-edged sword. I'll tell you why. Because once you pray it, you're going to go through the trial. You're going to go through the ringer, as we would say. You're going to go through the flames of fire. You're going to go through the storm. Something is going to happen. And you're going to have to have your faith tried. Lord, increase my faith. That's one side of the the sword. The other side is this. Increase my faith. It's the blessing that when you are tried, you come forth as gold. When you're tried and you go on with God, and no matter how weak you are, you persevere through it, and you find that God starts to move in bigger, greater ways to bless you than you've never known before. He draws near to you. Listen, your faith is tried. Your faith isn't really tried when you're on the mountaintop. Your faith isn't tried when everything's sunny and everything's lovely and everything's beautiful and everything's rosy. You know, your faith isn't tried even too much when you're in the time of praise and worship and we're singing, it is well, it is well with my soul and praise God for it. Faith isn't really tried there. Faith is tried in the valley. Faith is tried in the hard times. Faith is tried in the difficult times. In the times of loss, your faith is tried. That's where your furnace is. That's where the refining fire comes upon you. It's there, brother, and it's there, sister. But God is with you. And He's with you in the fire. And He's with you in the storm. And He's with you through the trial. And He says, looking unto Jesus... Keep your eyes on him. And the blessing after the end of it all, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. 
He's the only one who cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him. And you'll know him. How? By the, what is it? The nail prints in his hands. He's always there. He's always near. And the operation of faith in you now, now, faith brought you this morning. I told you last week, faith when you woke up and the duvet seemed nice and the bed seemed soft and the flesh said, sure, watch it online. And the flesh says, you know, you don't need to. It's a bank holiday. You know all these things. And for people to say a bank holiday, that's okay. God bless them. I don't mean any harm in that. But faith, you've had a tough week. You've had a hard time. You're going through a difficult spell and a season here. You know, just, just take it easy. Don't, just don't go too hard. Sure, another day won't hurt. And yet, faith tells you, get up, get washed, get dressed, and come. Now faith is the substance. Notice present tense. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report. So where is our witness and our good report of faith? How's your witness and good report? It's not about pleasing man is not a good report. Loving Christ in the presence of men is the good report. Notice the operation of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 begins here. That's your eye. Run down, please. To verse... For by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Notice, here's the operation of faith. God says you have to come and sacrifice a sacrifice of blood. Cain said, I'll bring you the work of my hands. God says, no, faith is the blood's enough. Brothers and sisters, see what faith tells me every day. When I have failed him, when I fall, and none of us are perfect, neither am I. You know what faith tells me? The blood is enough. The blood is enough. The blood of Christ is enough. And faith tells me that. The Spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. It's the faith of him, imputed faith in me, given by God, that tells me every morning, every day, throughout every single failure. I'm not pretending here that I'm floating on a cloud every day, strumming my heart with my halo, and sometimes I grow a pair of wings because I'm absolutely wonderful. I'm telling you something. I'm a rotten, guilty, filthy sinner, saved by the grace of God. And the blood is enough. The blood is enough. Oh, where would we be but for the blood? Faith in the blood tells me I'm born of God. Notice here, 
we looked at it last week, and we'll not go too much into this, but verse 6, but without faith, it's like, remember, the curtains come back, faith streams in. He's talking about Abel, then he's talking about Enoch, and then it goes, curtains come back, and the faith streams in. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For they that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith starts streaming. And you know, if you want to go to the end of the chapter, the operation of faith through all of them, Abraham's there, Isaac's there, Jacob's there, Joseph's there, and so on. Moses is there. And if you want to go to the end of chapter 11, it's as though the Spirit is, is too much, as it were, the one for a better word. It's, the Spirit is anointing too quickly, as it were, to the pen of the writer. David says, my tongue is as a pen of a ready writer. Well, this tongue of this ready writer, trying to write the names, trying to write the things. And notice what he says. Let your eye run down. Chapter 11, please. And verse 32. And what, what shall I say more? More say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah and of David and of Samuel and of the prophets. He starts speeding up. He's taking his time. Abel and Enoch, and he keeps going on. Abraham, I think there's about 14 verses alone in the chapter on Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and he goes on. Joseph and Moses, and he goes on and on. Then suddenly, it's as if the Spirit's exciting him so much. He's, oh, time is running out, but I want to tell you. And he starts rhyming off the names. There's like an avalanche of faith. It's like a torrent comes from him. A torrent in the Spirit. And the torrent in the Spirit is doing this. He's saying, look, 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 look. Men and women of faith. Men and women who built things. Men and women who went on. Men and women who were tried, who were tested. Mountain high and valley low. He will never let me go. The Spirit is pouring it from his pen. And take note. Notice who through faith subdued kingdoms. Now let me just pause here for a moment. I've went off my notes again, so I haven't started on my notes actually really yet. So I'll just have to bin them. Who through faith subdued kingdoms? Now, now church, listen. Ecclesia. You know what that means? The called out ones. We're called out by God. You and I, brothers and sisters, are the ecclesia of God. Called out from the world. Called out from the things that's going on out there. Called out to be different. But not just, well, call you out and I try your best. I call you out, son. I called you out, daughter. And I've washed you in the blood. And I've paid your debt. And I've filled you with the Holy Ghost. Your faith is subdued kingdoms. What this tells me. Church, we're living under our privilege in our nation. We're taking too much from ungodly governments. We're listening to men who want to buy bread. It's annoying society, the whole uh, liberal 
uh, uh, left and the elitists from the banking fraternities and, and all of the governments who are bowing the knee and giving them their multitude of trillions. They're enslaving the people. They're tying us up and they're telling us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it, and what to wear. And these men, it's man's kingdom. It's Babylonian kingdom. It's mystery Babylon kingdom. It's Antichrist's kingdom. Here we're told, the men and women of God in Israel subdued the kingdoms. Church, time to start. Time to start having faith in the one who saves us from the storm. Time to start believing the one who has walked beside us every day. The time to start believing the one who speaks inside our heart. It's time to start walking with Christ. It's time to say, thus far and no further to those who are bringing us into bondage to a one world government and say, no, for the king is coming. He's coming, church. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. Hallelujah. We're looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Hallelujah. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, it is well, it is well with my soul. I can tell you something, church. Trying to pull our nation down. They're trying to take the world into the grip of an antichrist system. But I can tell you something. I don't look for the antichrist. I'm not worried about the antichrist. I don't listen for an antichrist. I watch and I wait and pray for the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here that quenched the violence of fire. Who sub pardon me, first 33, 30, 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Do you know the weapons of our war warfare are not carnal? Listen, I believe in protesting. I'm a protestant. I believe it. I believe in protest. But you know what's going to change our land? Do you know what's going to save Ulster from a land grab of the European Union through a united Ireland? Do you know what's going to change it? When the church realizes who they are and the authority they have and they start getting on their knees and praying. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but What are they? Come on, shout it out there. What? They're mighty. Through God. Get on your knees and cry. Get on your knees and pray. Do you know something? We're having great, great, good for, for the times that we're living in. We're getting great turnouts for the prayer meeting. We are great turnouts. There's some churches aren't getting what we're getting on Sunday. And that's not a boast. That's, that's gratitude. I, I mean that. It's gratitude to the Lord for what he's doing. 
Brothers and sisters, do you see if people really loved Ulster? Really loved the United Kingdom and even really loved to see Ireland saved? Do you know what they do? They fill every single chair and cry for mercy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of. Do you know why so many of us are held like captive prisoners in our lives, in our hearts? Because we don't believe that prayer works. Prayer is the vehicle that moves the hand which holds the world. Lord, see this wicked Westminster government passing all these abomination, abominable laws. Westminster is a cesspit, brothers and sisters. It's a cesspit. Lord, read it out. Read it out, Lord. Stormont isn't any better. Read it out. Oh, that God would give us men and women after his own heart and put them in place in our nation. Let us pray that God changes the hearts of men in government. And let us pray that God touches the heart of Her Majesty the Queen. That she would call a national day of prayer, but come out openly to say that Christ is her Savior. Our nation would change. I believe it. I believe it. Notice here, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Notice, through faith. This is through faith. Now, these people were not supermen and superwomen. It wasn't like the Lord beamed them down from some sort of a spaceship and says, there you are, go lead the way. No, see all that. By the way, that's all demonic activity. You know that. You're hearing a lot more about spaceships and all sort of stuff. That's to draw your minds to demonic activity. Listen to this. God didn't just bring them down. They were men and women of flesh and bone and blood, like you and like me, with fears and with families. With bodies that ache or get tired and weary, that eat, that drink, that need to sleep, exactly like you and exactly like me. Elijah was a man of like passions as we are, James tells us. Yet he went into Ahab, the wicked king who was sitting on the throne in Samaria. Not the godly line, the ungodly line. The godly line was in Judah and Jerusalem. And he walks into Ahab, whose wife was a Zidonian witch called Jezebel. And there he walks in to the northern kingdom of Israel. And he says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years. And this man could have had his head cut off. This man could have been 
cut to pieces. But listen to what he says. As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Standing before Ahab, wicked king. Standing in wicked king's presence. Standing before him. And faith in him. The prophets that are mentioned here at the end of this chapter. The faith in him caused him to be able to stand before this wicked king in the northern kingdom of Israel. And there he stands and he says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Yet the king's there. He's in his 2020 vision. The natural eye. Man's view. And look what he says. I'm here before you, but I'm not real then before him. I stand before the Lord. Oh, that God would give us the consciousness. God would give us the heart, the mentality, and the ability to realize no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter who we're before, no matter where we go, we're before him and the rest doesn't matter. In your workplace, in your home, faith in you. Faith now. Now faith is the substance. The word substance gives the idea to come up underneath to bear up. Faith bears us up. My faith is weak. Jesus said, when a disciple says, increase our faith. He says, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to the second mine tree or the sycamore tree, be plucked out and be planted in the sea. You know what he was saying? He's saying that little bit of faith, now faith is a substance. That little tiny bit of faith in you, that faith will work wonders and do miracles. Miracles isn't all about healing the sick, you know. See, when the Lord starts to work on souls all around the area, all across our land, see when the Lord starts to bring in those who never wanted him and hated him, Seem God starts to speak to the drug addicts again and the drunkards and God starts to speak to men and women of ill repute and men and women with all sorts of lives behind them and he starts speaking to the religious, by the way, too. Those who think they're better than everybody else. All those religious heads out there. When God starts to move upon hearts and heads, he moves in homes. Legacies are left behind. When God starts to move, you and I are going to see revival. It's now faith. Miracles are not all about healing the body. Miracles are about seeing the soul that's dead in sin, being raised to life and being saved. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to have to round this up. Time's slowing. Of all these pages to go through. So... Let me just stop here. The, the words here for faith, you know, the nice acronym, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all I trust him. F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all I trust him. That's okay. That's, it's good to, those wee things are nice to, but that's, it's not faith. People say that. Oh, forsaking all I trust him. And that's okay. I'm not saying anything against it, but do you know what I mean? It's in here. It's in here. When I leave this tent, I don't leave Jesus here. And come back next week if I feel like it. It's in here. 
We'll go to the drive-in tonight. It's in here. I'll get up tomorrow. It's in here. Wake up during the night. It's in here. Feeling rotten. He's in here. Feeling down. He's in here. Depressed. He's in here. Feeling no good and worthless. He's in here. And faith tells me it is well. It is well with my soul. I want to round this up. I'm maybe doing Arabic. I don't know. I have a couple of ideas I want to maybe look at next week. I'll see. But here's what I want you to see, friend. Notice this. Verse 34. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Notice, out of weakness were made strong. Wax valiant in fight. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. I want you to read this. I want you to read this. For those of us, and I have had these moments too. Why me? Why me? Women received their dead, raised to life again. Notice, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. We, we need to try and get this in. Try and try, ask the Lord just to put this in you for a moment because there's a depth in this that we, we could spend another hour on it. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured by the same God. The same faith, I mean, in God. Yeah. The same faith that's raising the dead is the same faith that I'm going to be standing for and I'm going to get tortured? Yeah. Yeah. Not accepting deliverance. There's their faith. Here's this framework building up. That's the operation of the faith. There it is. They wouldn't accept deliverance. I wonder if I would have accepted deliverance. I might have accepted it. I hope I wouldn't, but I might have. You know, the the Romans would have brought them to the Colosseums or wherever else, and their children there are put into a a dead animal, and the others are taken out there, put in, it's sewed up. And they release the lions. When the lions uh, go over to this animal to eat the animal there, the children are squealing inside, and so they devoured these Christian children inside it. Live little children, and their parents could have had deliverance. All they had to do was to kick the sands, as it were, of Caesar, and heal Caesar, but you were healing him as your king. Or taking a stand and saying, the life that is to come is, is greater. It is eternal rather than temporal. And, and so they had to take their stand in the faith that they have and and keep trusting God that even though they would give their lives and even though they would die and watch their children first and foremost. Can you think about it? 
And then some of them were tortured, stretched out, and beaten to death with sticks. Stretched out on a cartwheel, what looks like a cartwheel, beaten to death with sticks. And all they had to say was, Caesar is king. No. They said, Jesus is king. Brothers and sisters, see when someone says, I fell away from God because of him or her or this or that. And their eyes were not on God, they were on them, her, this and that. That they may obtain a better resurrection, that's a study for another time. And others had trial of cruel mockings. Notice, these are, these are Israelite believers now. Early Christians went through this. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Notice, sawn in half for their faith. Sawn in half. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. God's people. Think about this. This is God's people. See this airy, fairy stuff we hear, especially from mainstream Christian media. This airy, fairy stuff is that if you're having a bad day, you're, if God's fell out with you, you're having a bad day, it should never happen. You should have faith to sail all the way through. Listen, tell yourself, I'm going to have a good day where they smile with all their teeth. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, sometimes I get up and I can't even find my teeth. Well, I've got my own teeth, by the way. <laughs> Can't even find my teeth. I have a few bars missing in the grate now, but... What I'm saying is here, you know, they're telling us that these things should not happen, but they do. God has told us, and Christ says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what he said. And when our foundation is in Christ, when we're looking on to Jesus, then we weather the storm. We walk on the water. We traverse the valley. We climb the mountain. We speak to the tree. Let me finish with this. Verse 38. Maybe you're feeling worthless. Maybe you're feeling useless. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. Maybe you're not feeling up. Maybe you've been told all your life that you're, uh, you'll amount to nothing and you're just a waste of space and all of this stuff. I want you to let you know when you're in Christ, I want you to see this next verse, of whom the world was not worthy. This world is not worthy. Of you, brother and sister, who love Christ. Let them say what they want. Let them do what they want. Let them try what they like. Now, we're to love them. 
and reach them. But the world system of things isn't worthy because when Christ comes, we will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And guess what? We will rule and reign with him. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Eh? Received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Listen, you know what he's saying here in a nutshell? They didn't receive what God had promised. In fact, that which they thought God had promised, it was even better. It's even better. And they will receive it at the resurrection. Just think of that. When Christ comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who are Christ will rise first. The graves will split open. And we will, we that are alive and remain, shall be cut up together to meet the Lord in the air. We will be changed, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. So brothers and sisters, there's a greater thing ahead for us. The kingdom of God is coming in its fullness. Christ is going to rule and reign with a rod of iron over every Christ rejecter. Christ is going to take up his rightful place. And as Glenn read this morning, his feet in that day shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. And he will walk in through that eastern gate. And there he is going to rule and reign with the company of his blood-washed, blood-bought saints. That's you and that's me this morning. Now, is that not a greater thing than what you're worrying about this morning? All glory be to his name. The foundation of our faith is Christ. Team, would you come up, please? Thank you for your attention, folks, this morning.